episode of Sound Judgment. My name is Harry Sanderson. With me, of course, is Mr. Sam Tonning. Uh, this is the podcast where Sam and myself uh, pick two random songs, mm-hmm. or assign two random songs, rather, and have to argue against uh, each other for, for the case which song is superior. To help us out, we have a guest judge each episode, and uh, today we have a great uh, guest judge, uh, one of the country's most prolific comedians has a podcast out called Satan's Lawyer, which you have to check out. Uh, Ivan Decker, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, hello, thank you very much. It Juno Award winner. Yes, yes, for music. Yeah, <laughs> that, that music award that I won for talking. That's pretty good. Spoken word is uh, seems very musical these days. Yeah, you know, it's good. My comedy, I, th- I think, is probably the most musical as of, as far as a non musical comedy. Would you consider yourself the Billie Eilish of comedy? Uh, yes. In, in that I am extraordinarily kit. divisive. <laughs> <laughs> the boomers, they don't get me. They say, I don't know. <laughs> Which is the opposite of true, right? Yeah. Boomers love you. No, yeah, they do. <laughs> Unless I insult their most coveted... Uh, Food, which is cream of wheat. Ah, I will, you get to I will do point. jokes yeah. about cream of wheat, and I have a lot of times people come up to me after the show and they're like, How dare you? Yeah. And I'm like, This is where controversy and comedy has come now. <laughs> I was in Kansas City, and in my opening act, did 10 minutes of pro Republican material. Okay. No interruptions. Huh. I insulted cream of wheat, and it was a goddamn brouhaha in there. How do you do it? 10 minutes of Republican material? It was great. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. He did very well. I love it. Oh, didn't know Dennis Miller was touring. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Ivan? Yes. Here's how the show works. Thanks okay. for being on here first. It's uh, my pleasure. Harris and I being assigned two random songs, and we have to argue its merits for each of our songs. And uh, But I think what we should do is listen to them first. Are you ready to hear the two songs? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's Harris, what's your it. song today? I will be making the case for Daydream Believer by the Monkees. And I will be making the case for Hypnotized by the Notorious B.I.G. Oh, goodness. Yeah, let's listen to Too close to, to call already. Already. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the tunes. Yeah, I like ba- both. Ba- that's a good thing to hear. I Sam, like why don't you tell us about Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G.? What can be said about one of the uh, biggest rap songs of all time? Uh, number one on all the charts, multi-platinum album, Life After Death, 11 times platinum. That's pretty big for 11 a times, that record. Yeah. What other songs were on there? Uh, Ten Crack Commandments. Never heard of it. Going Back to Cali. Okay. Some with titles I can't say. Yeah, Um, yeah. Of course. It's considered one of the greatest rap albums of all time. It's considered one of the greatest albums. I mean, the white musical establishment, you know, Rolling Stone, ranked it in their top 500 greatest albums of all time. Wow. Yeah, the black musical Cognoscenti, The Source. Top yeah. 100 rap albums of all time. Even the French media. This is France, the country of Jean-Michel Jarre, ranked it as one of the top 1,000 albums of all time. Oh, a thousand. I mean, how wide is the scale? Fran- France heard a thousand albums? <laughs> well, I mean, mostly German What's the stuff. rest of their albums? Like organ grinding <laughs> from the war? <laughs> Just that guy from the Stella Artois commercial yeah. being like, ah, no more beer. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know. Désolé. Okay, maybe France isn't that a important. A thousand, you can't, if it's on a list of a thousand, yeah. that doesn't, there, I, like, I can't even think of a thousand songs. I know I have a thousand songs uh-huh. on my phone, but I can't, like, if you ask me to name, or even name, if you ask me to name, like, a hundred artists, I'd be like, I can't. Okay, one. I no, can't do it. Let's get started. That's it. I mean, it's a big hit. We know it. It's I can't even think around. of a thousand, like, foods. 
Now that's tougher than songs. A thousand's a lot. It's a lot. I'm basically just trying to let you know that it's a very big number. It's like a hundred, but then it's a hundred of that. It's ten of that. It's ten of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the intro to Hypnotize. I got nothing else. It's a big hit. Okay. Uh, came well, out in what, 1990? Seven. You're making a very interesting case. Well, the case hasn't begun yet. With exce- except for the <laughs> France part. Yeah. I, that, that is not admissible to evidence. <laughs> Daydream Believer, composed by John Stewart, formerly of the Kingston Trio. Uh, it was released by the Monkees in December 1967, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was the Monkees' last number one hit in the U.S. Uh, the Monkees, you know, they were a band that was created for television. They got flack for not playing on some of their early recordings, but all the members of the band actually played on this track. And John Stewart, the uh, songwriter, planned this as third in a trilogy of songs about married suburban life. Ah. So what year did this song come out? 1967. 1967. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, what year did Hypnotize come out? 97. 97. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So 30-year... 30 30-year 30 difference. Yeah. Difference. Oh, how the times have changed. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Black people are now allowed to record albums. Yeah, in 67, they were just... Sent to Vietnam? Sent to Vietnam. <laughs> That's why they made marijuana illegal. <laughs> Facts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so now this is the time of the show where we present our arguments. Who would you like okay. to go first? Um, I would like Harris to go oh, first. Oh, thank God. Okay. Let's hear it about the monkeys. All right. Let's get something out of the way. Is Daydream Believer cool? No. Are people in a club dancing to it right now? No. Was it written and performed by a bunch of slightly dorky white guys? Yes. Is it a perfect piece of 60s bubblegum pop? Yes. I agree. Also, I think there probably is a club in Brooklyn where people are dancing to that right now. Yeah, now, yeah. It's definitely <laughs> Like not. this afternoon. Yeah. Like they're they it's don't so have jobs. High on coffee. They have a lot of, they both they got they got a new French press. They're very excited <laughs> about it. This is a beautiful song. A song of innocence, a song that takes the subject of mundane suburban American life and turns it into a fairy tale. Listen to the first verse. Oh, I could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. Everyone in the world knows the agony of having to get up in the morning and start a day full of things that don't excite them. A morning commute, a day spent in drudgery, hours of boredom in some gray concrete building. And then the next morning you do it all again. Daydream Believer speaks to everyone in the world. It's a song about escape, about wanting to leave your tired existence for a moment and be somewhere else. Everyone can relate to that. Who really relates to Hypnotize with a line about someone's daughter tied up in a Brooklyn basement? Sam is your friend. I would advise you not to answer that. (laughs) And the chorus. Good Lord, the chorus. Who can resist it? Who can have that come on their car radio and not want to sing along? The Monkees worked with some of the best songwriters of the era. Carol King, Jerry Goffin, Neil Diamond. Was this a band created for television? Yes. Were they engineered as a kind of Beatles light? Absolutely. In that process, did they deliver some of the best pop music of the 60s or any era? Most definitely. Today, it is up against a song that was deemed inferior to the Men in Black theme song. (laughs) You know what's right. (laughs) 
How, wait, can I have a little more clarification on this inferior to the Men in Black theme song? Well, you do have a moment to ask us questions. Okay, I'll yeah, wait. I would suggest a whole. I will just for, add a footnote. Uh, uh, it was nominated, so Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G. was nominated for Best Rap Solo Performance at the 98 Grammys, and it lost to Men in Black by Will Smith. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. The Grammys have spoken. <laughs> there you are. That's my case. Okay. Wonderful. All right, Sam. I am a little bit more blunt. I, uh, I'm not eloquent. I'm not slick pop from the 60s, produced by other people and then performed by myself. I can't do it. It's not my aesthetic. But let's get down and compare some things here. This is the first Monkees album where they played their own instruments. Pretty good. This is actually very cool and kind of in their favor, and I have to say is I have it down here right now. They suck. They're shitty musicians. <laughs> There's no reason why these people should have ever played their fucking music. It's horrible. Okay, now that I've said that, I will concede. This is the genesis of modern punk music. Harris referred to it as, you know, bubblegum punk, but really... This is punk as we know it because it's a collection of musicians who didn't care if they could play their own instruments. And for that, I have to concede, it's an important cultural uh, uh, marker for music is the monkeys off this album, uh, which is called The Birds, The Bees, and The Monkeys. That's monkey with two E's. Davy Jones is the singer. His voice sucks. That's enough about that. <laughs> this was the first Monkees album not to reach Billboard's number one. It didn't even chart in the UK. And what they were doing, the Beatles did five years earlier. So really, it's no surprise. Uh, I compared kind of rankings. Yes, Ivan, you're right. France's top 1,000, whatever. Might not be appropriate. But Rolling Stone white people gave this 1.5 out of 5 stars the whole record and I think for good reason because it's just this repeated over and over and over again and came out two years after a song uh, entitled I'm a Believer which we all know because of the Smash Mouth cover but this one didn't even get covered by anyone who matters okay let's talk about music as a middle class white male who grew up in the suburbs I get it and I accept it I am obviously an expert in rap um to be a joke. Damn it. <laughs> I'm with you, pal. Oh, except no. for the middle class part. Yeah, I know. You grew up uh, rich, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very wealthy. <laughs> but really, it gives me a unique perspective. That's why I'm always doing comedy on my dad's boat. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is it a dinghy on the Fraser River or something? Let's get it. What cultural references were brought up in this song? Uh, Which song are you referring to? Hypnotized. The okay. only real song that we're listening yes, to yes. here. Uh, well, a couple really stick with me, and I remember hearing it for the first time. I was a, a teenager, and uh, Lexus LS four and a half. It's a beautiful car, and still is actually my favorite sports car. <laughs> really? The Lexus yeah. LS? Oh, I love it. It's a beautiful fucking car with bulletproof windows that are tinted so you can fuck in the back and not get caught. Front wheel drive? I don't know. It's a Lexus, so probably. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. You have a Lexus, don't you? No, I have, a, I have an Audi. Okay, sorry. I'm so sorry. Rich comedy, yes. Yes. It's a 2001 <laughs> it's a thousand, Audi. <laughs> it's a 2007. Oh, okay. No, which, no, no. Uh, surprisingly modestly priced. <laughs> 
I think it's weird that people buy new cars. This is very like a poor person talking, but I'm like, you know, you can get a Mercedes from like the 90s. Yeah, that are amazing cars. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up. It's very rare you can get an amazing car from the 60s. No. But you can get an amazing car from the 90s. Yeah, of course. Because what decade did uh, Daydream Believer come from? <laughs> the 60s. Late 60s. Late, yeah, okay. But still. They were using all the car parts to fight the Vietnam War. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. <laughs> it was a, a little hit. too much. Daydream Believer was a big hit. We get it. But Hypnotize actually had real cultural impact. Music yeah. changed because of this song. Yeah. It was insane. Yes, it didn't win against Will Smith, a very palatable act to the Grammys. <laughs> we know this. But, and Harris, you brought it up kind of, you know, no one would dance to Daydream Believer at a club, and we've used this as a point of comparison in previous songs. You could put this 23-year-old rap track at any nightclub, and people would dance True. to it. And that's a I've testament. Seen it happen. Yeah, it's amazing. I've been to a lot of white weddings where this song comes on. <laughs> and the and uncensored the dance version. floor fills up. <laughs> uh, Herb Alpert, his uh, great song Rise was uh, sampled for this. Um, it's excellent, yeah. Much better, even though they sampled the musicianship on uh, Hypnotize is better than it is on Daydream Believer. The songwriting, this is something, I mean, rap is, is uh, shade is thrown at it quite regularly by people like Harris, who, who throw it away is not music. Right, uh, but it is art. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I totally I agree. Think so, and I'm only saying that Harris because you're arguing against it. You're not racist. Daydream Believer has 16 original lines of lyric. Okay, through the whole song. Yeah, it's three minutes. Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Yeah, <laughs> and then a few other ones. Oh, what but can that's it the mean main one. to be a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? Yeah, yeah. I don't even get it. Well, sleepy Jean is sad, oh. and uh, she needs to cheer up. <laughs> All right, very cool. The first verse of Hypnotize has 19 unique lines of, of uh, lyric. That's pretty good. Yeah, things like, uh, oh, i got to make sure I'm reading the right things here. I'm not even going to worry about that. I don't yeah, wanna... yeah, I don't think you should stumble into some territory of words you're not allowed to say. I don't even uh, have to worry about getting canceled. Um, yes. Let's get down to the real crux of the matter. Well, I do, by association. Yes, but don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. The monkeys are racist because of their name. <laughs> the better song is Hypnotize. I'm done. Okay. Well, you both made some very compelling points. Harris, do you have any questions for me? I don't want to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <sighs> I do think that... Um, I'm easily swayed. This is something I'm going to tell you right now. Most of the time, I just agree with whoever the last person I listened to was. <laughs> That's great. Because it's a very easy way to avoid arguments in my yeah. life. I love it. You know, the internet is like this place of fighting. It is. And uh, yeah. people want to fight in real life. And now when everybody tries to fight with me, I just go, oh, yeah, okay. No, you're right. And then I just changed my mind to whatever they were thinking. And then they still want to fight because they're all geared up. But I'm like, no, it's already <laughs> over. I already changed my mind to your mind. Now, can we please talk about oatmeal or something? There is um, well, not no right or wrong way to deliver a judgment on this no. show. Any answer is correct, but you make the final call. All right. Whatever you well, think is I the would like target. to hear uh, you guys have questions for each and other. And then we have yeah. you asking us, and then we present our final. Okay, I have questions for you as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who would you like to go first? Well, Harris went first in the uh, previous round, so I think Sam ought to go first in this round. I'll ask you some questions, Harris. You said, um, 
that daydream believer speaks to everyone in the world. Yes. But then also note that the whole point of it was speak to the suburban American experience. How can you reconcile this apparent contradiction? Well, I think it's uh, the experience of getting up early and going to a job that you don't like and starting a routine that you are not enthralled with. It, it is uh, an integral experience of American or North American suburban life, but it's not exclusive to that. It's, you know, I'm sure wealthy people experience it as well. I'm sure not as much. Poor people definitely experience it. I think it's an experience that's not constricted by class. Lots of people don't like their daily routines. I think the song doesn't actually get, it's actually quite incisive. You know, it gets written off as a piece of bubblegum pop, but, and it is bubblegum pop, but within the lyrics, I think, you know, it's about um, the feeling of settling into a routine. And I think actually when you think of the, the time period and what most bands of that time were doing, it's actually quite revolutionary actually in a way that they were singing about something like the mundane nature of everyday life. See, I didn't think I that's what it yeah, was about. I no. thought it was about uh, the daylight savings time. <laughs> Because the clocks have gone back, and now Gene is sleepy. And they're like, hey, cheer up. It's okay. It could be, yeah. You get an extra hour next year. <laughs> for, you get it back. In six months. In six months. Uh, okay, Harris. I Thanks for answering the question. I have another question about the term bubblegum pop. Like, did bubblegum come out around the same time? Is that why it's... Well, the double bubble cartoons are about as cool as the stuff that came out at the same time. I think, yeah. I think no. Bubblegum came out in like the late 50s, and then that's when it kind of, you know, that's when you got kind of things Can like we change that. this to be a podcast about where Bubblegum came from? Because <laughs> I'm extremely interested in that You now. mentioned that Bubblegum <laughs> just came out from like the late 50s. I, if I had you, to guess. You describe the music as Bubblegum Pop, so you're yeah. saying it's by nature outdated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll move on to my next question here. Well, that do you, wasn't a question. Do you like one. cuties, big booty cuties wearing Kuji sweaters? Is this something that turns you on? That sounds like a description of a medical symptom. What did, what did you just say? Uh, big booty me, cuties. Yeah, I think, think it's like cuties. about pirates. Oh, Every with their cutie booty. with a booty bought a Kuji. That's I, a line from uh, Hypnotize. What's and a you Kuji? think it sounds like a medical issue okay it's Coogee's a brand of sweater which actually after this track came out sold out everywhere and became a fashion icon but that's no that's no different than a lot of hip-hop songs but lokes and khaki suits it's no different it's totally different the apple bottom jeans from daydream we believer could go on and on daydream believer they sold out of sleepy jean brand <laughs> sleepy time tea did you not know that that's a real stat <laughs> All right, my last. I don't know why I'm defending. I don't know either. Now. My my last question is: There's the line in here: the shaving razor is cold and it stings. Harris, do you think that Davy Jones should have used this cold razor on his wrists and ended it for everyone's benefit? No, thank you. I have no more questions. The shaving razor is cold and it stings. Is that from Sleepy Jean? Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, that's a good line. It's it's got good lines in it. Yeah, wake up. Sleepy Jane. <laughs> Wake up, grab a brush, put a little makeup. Is that the song we're talking about? <laughs> okay, Harris, what do you got for me? Well, we already mentioned that uh, the, the, the Grammys have decided that this song isn't as good as Men in Black by Will Smith. And I think I said the Grammys, the most trustworthy musical uh, establishment. They usually do pretty well. Yeah. Biggie. Billie Eilish. Yeah. Um, the greatest recording artist. <laughs> Let me just put it time. this way. So Biggie was killed in a drive-by a week after the song was released. 
Oh my goodness. How can you defend a song that God hates? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say this right now. I'm defending this because God uh, made this so popular so the message that Biggie had uh, could spread the world over many That's times. That's why it did so well. You didn't tell and me it was what? a post-mortem track. It throws off all the death. numbers. Oh, that was, a huge, that was a huge factor. Of course it was the only factor. If he'd lived, this song would not be as big. And what was the message? Uh, that living life is good and it's not all about, you know, gangster culture and killing people. It's about living a good life and pursuing your dreams. Wow. I did not get that from I didn't get my that. lyrical oh. analysis. You living did, a good life wait, and pursuing your dreams. You're telling me you did a lyrical analysis? I looked at the Sometimes lyrics. Sometimes the words hypnotize me. Yeah, okay, where is it? Right here... Tim's I guess that's my... why they're so broken you're, and he's so paid. Yeah. Because he's yeah. got those hypnotizing words. Okay, Papa being I do like a chorus that is somebody talking his... to the artist <laughs> to inform them on how great they are. Okay. Like, it's a third person. Like, that's a really unique thing for this song. It's like, usually rappers are like, I'm great. He they went they went infomercial style. They're like, real person, not actor. And there's a woman being like, you're so great. At you're... last... A blank rapping about blunts and broads, tits and bras, menage a trois, sex and expensive cars. He's commenting that rap has changed. Yeah. Here he is taking this to the next level. Yeah, it's good. It's I, I did like the way that this song, it was kind of like the, the ascension of like the mm-hmm. rappers being sort of superstars. He's made it. Yeah. And he's telling you. Yeah. He's telling the world that you can be poor from Brooklyn and make it. Yeah. This is a success story, Harris. That's the message. He's it's a, possible. He's it's from Brooklyn. It's aspirational. It matters. Life is better than the doldrums in the suburbs. That's what Sleepy Jean's about. It's better than Sleepy Jean. Okay. Daydream believer. <laughs> Daydream believer. Okay. Any other so, questions, yeah. Harris? <laughs> what? Well, no. That's, okay. That's it. Then you can ask us some, Ivan. Come on. Give, give us a few questions. Okay. I'd like to know, um, how many members of the Monkees were there? There were four members of the Monkees. Four members, and they wrote this and played it. They did not, they write, did not this. write it. They did not write it. Now, Biggie did not write this song either, though. He wrote all the lyrics. He wrote the lyrics. Yeah. Okay. And uh, to be fair, uh, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Sean Combs was also heavily involved in the production aspect. Oh, know? yes, of course. Well, I mean, that's that's how you do it. You get yeah. in the video, you get in the rap, you want to be a part of it. You're the biggest deal in the music business. Yeah. And then the, the, the song that on the back of this that I remember... <laughs> Was the the one that P Diddy made the, the under pressure? Hill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the really? I'll be missing you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That that used uh, the great uh, under pressure sample. Did it? Yeah, from the police. Uh, no, you th- no. Every breath you take. Oh yeah, sorry. Under pressure was Queen, and they yeah, that was, oh, that's that was right. uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was Vanilla Ice. Remember yeah, when he defended totally. it? I don't know anything about rap. Vanilla Ice tried to, say, to defend the under pressure note. sample because he put in one extra note, yeah. and he's like, Nah, mine's different. It's no, not the yeah. same. No, dun, he's an dun, idiot. Dun, dun, dun. Song taking. It's another reason why white music is worse. Yes. I agree. Uh, white people have no business making music. That mm-hmm. I can agree with you on. However, it was the 60s and the <laughs> options were limited. So we have to take that into account for the monkeys. Acceptable. Um, now, yes, the Beatles were around earlier. And some might say... 
heavily influenced the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they they were a, they were engineered as a direct copy of the Beatles. I fully admit that. But it's also uh, it's a different time. You can't. It, there's no YouTube. No. They needed other Beatles because the Beatles can't be everywhere. We all remember Gallagher too. This is a similar thing. I'm, I'm happy you bring that up. The Beatles need uh, a secondary, worse Beatles mm-hmm. to remind people why the Beatles are good. <laughs> the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. Exactly. And so they were actually doing the Beatles a service. And I think that like the Beatles were lifted up even higher by the fact that the monkeys attempted to do it, the Beatles could do it yeah. and did not do it as well. Yeah, you separate the wheat from the chaff for sure. And now, a, a notorious B.I.G., on the other hand, was too good. He was the Beatles. He was the Beatles yeah. of rap. I mean, some might say Tupac. That's obviously a, a huge... Divisive, for sure. Uh, ...battle that took place in many a suburban white rec room, uh-huh. as I remember <laughs> being a part of. <laughs> the fact that we were arguing who was better, Biggie or Tupac, in, like, <laughs> a tiny white town in Canada... Yeah. Really does speak to the influence, but I'm, it's like it's also very difficult to make this call because I was not alive in 1967. Well, yeah, my parents weren't even alive. What? You got young parents? No, you're right. Yeah, they were that's alive. Insane. Sorry. Uh, do you have any more questions for us, and we can present our final arguments? Okay. Um, let's see. Question. No, I don't. Okay. Very good. What's our opportunity? Would Harris? you like me to have more questions? No, that's fine. Okay. No, that's no. fine. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do, Ivan. All right. Well, I mean, I want this to be hilarious. Oh well, you, you will be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, what all I'm going to say is this: uh, the concerns with the monkeys being authentic and everything like that. I addressed that in my argument. I said, you have to plead guilty to that. They were a TV band that was assembled to cash in on the Beatles. Hysteria. They didn't play the instruments on a lot of their early recordings. Their biggest hits were written by other people. That's all true. However, the podcast is song versus song. It's not artist versus artist. If you're comparing legacies of someone like Notorious B.I.G. against the Monkees, I mean, was he more authentic than the Monkees? Yes, he had a hand, at least, in composing uh, his most famous material. But I think Daydream Believer is a better song I think it's a better composition I think it's deeper than it gets credit for people remember it for the chorus and you know it's 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 almost kid friendly it's almost like a children's song but you know in the lyrics there are depth that I don't think the song gets credit for it's about it's about waking up and it's being settled into married life and a routine and waking up and realizing oh I have this routine that I have to carry on with and then just wanting to escape from that. And the chorus is the escape from that. The chorus is the daydream, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think these are themes that are just, that are fairly layered for what the group was, uh, for a group that was created for television. And it has more depth than Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G., which I think is essentially like a four minute long brag about how awesome he is. Well, I mean, you just summed up rap as a genre. Uh, well, common theme in this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, that's all I have to say. Okay. okay. Thank you, Harris. Um, I will say when the chorus comes in, it is pretty great. It's a hooky song. In 
Daydream Believer. Mm-hmm. Sam, final thoughts. Even even quicker. Um, Hypnotize is a hugely influential song that will be remembered in 50 years. Daydream Believer is only remembered now because we're talking about it for a podcast that nobody's listening to. Point number one. Point number two, you guys are comedians, right? Do you remember, well, maybe not when it came out, but I'm going to make a comparison here I hope is apt. Hypnotize is Chris Rock's Bring the Pain. Uh Uh-oh. Daydream Believer is Alan King on Merv Griffin. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Okay. I mean, it's very hard to remain impartial because obviously I grew up with Hypnotize. <laughs> I enjoy this song. Yeah. It evokes, I have uh, memories, be they fond or not, tied to this song. Yeah. I remember being bullied heavily at a party to this song. Oh, you were? Oh, you're so cool though, Ivan. I remember being too high because... People call me a pussy for not smoking enough weed. Oh, I love it. And this song was there. If only I'd been able to cheer up Sleepy Jean. <laughs> you could have just woken up and been fine. That was better weed music, yeah. I will tell you. You hear that song when you're high, it's going to pull you out of yeah. whatever spiral you're in. Yeah. Hypnotize does get the dance floor uh, popping. And... Uh, you know, I just don't know which one to pick. I'm going to have to say, all of the biases aside, I still have to give it to Hypnotize. Thank Fair. you. Fair. Uh, handshake again at the end. Good good work, Harris. Yes, good work. You were in an impossible position, but you acquitted yourself way better than me. Uh, Ivan. Yes. You made the call. Hypnotize is a better song than Daydream Believer. Even though it lost the Grammy to Will Smith. (laughs) Well, I mean, I really like... It was the Wild Wild West theme. Men in Black. You know, I saw the new Aladdin, like, live action, and I was just waiting for the Will Smith, like, rap song. Yeah. And it never happened. He was just doing... Robin's genie, which was kind of upsetting. Well, yes, and I mean... He should have brought his own genie. He's the only guy who could have even tried. Yeah. You know, like, no one else could ever attempt that. He's so likable. Yeah. I recently watched all of a three-minute clip uh, from (laughs) Fresh Prince. Yes. Um, And, you know, he's The one where he... uh, The very emotional clip? Yeah, of course. With Uncle Phil? Yeah, I was on Reddit yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, he cries. Yeah. It's fantastic. Pretty good clip. But James Avery's dead. He also smoked cigarettes, so is there a connection? Will Smith? I don't think so. No, James Avery. I don't know who that is. Uncle Phil. I see. The actor. Yeah, that guy. Oh, he died? Yeah, a few years ago. Okay. I didn't know that. No, that's sort of bring it down. Well, much like Biggie... He's also dead. (laughs) (laughs) Ivan, thanks very much for being on the show. Uh, Netflix, your own podcast. Yes. Satan's Lawyer. Satan's Lawyer. Where can people find that? All over the place? On uh, iTunes. Yeah. uh, In the uh, ringtone department. Oh, I can't wait. It's a ringtone podcast. (laughs) I love it. I wish. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I wish I could release a podcast as a ringtone, but nobody uses ringtones anymore. No. Um, Remember ringbacks? Those were great. You could pay money to change the sound that it made when people were calling you. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. It's horrible. six bucks. Uh... 
you know, microtransactions. Where would we be without them? A calmer, better world for everyone? Some yes, say. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find my podcast on iTunes or uh, whatever you're... All streaming. I waved at somebody outside, even though it's a mirrored window. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, he's peering in now. Oh, it's uh, all He knows. He can see through mirrors. He's a superhero. Well, uh, Ivan Decker, you've done everything there is to do in this country, which is why you don't live here anymore, right? Yes, you're down in Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles, so if you want to... I don't know when this comes out, but if you're in Los Angeles and you're listening to this, you can see me headline at the Comedy and Magic Club on February 25th. I don't think it'll be out before then. Okay, uh, I will be at Philadelphia <laughs> Helium Comedy Club. Oh, it's going to be amazing. February 27 to 29. Still not? Maybe not. Okay, I will be at uh, Helium <laughs> Buffalo. Oh, sweet. April 16th to 18th. There That's we go. That's going to be amazing. Go to Anchor Bar when you're there. Okay. That's the home of the Buffalo Wing. Excellent. Yeah, it's fantastic. Ivan Decker, thanks for being on the program. Harris, thank you. Let thank me just you. confirm. Yes, 16 to 18. <laughs> of April. If you're in Buffalo, you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta check it out. Even if you're in whatever Canadian city is close to Buffalo. Oshawa? I don't know. You're in. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Ivan. <laughs>